Good to see everybody this morning. We are launching a new series, which I'm really excited about. Um, and just excited to be with, uh, with all of you as we start it. And I actually just want to, um, I just want to start with a few questions. The name of the series, series is called Grow, and Paul, maybe you can just put that first slide up, the call of Jesus to his, his followers. And, and a question that I have for all of us is, are you growing? Are you growing? How do you know you're growing? In what ways have you grown? It's just good questions to be asking ourselves at the outset of this. Have you grown in some ways, but have you, you struggled to grow in others? Maybe for some of you, you kind of know, yeah, I'm growing in this, but I just can't seem to in that. Or, or can you remember a time when you were, you were growing and then you kind of stalled out? You know what that feels like? A lot of us can identify with that. And, and I realize these questions can be deeply personal. You know, for some of us, they cause reflection. Um, for others, they, they can even cause like guilt or frustration. And, and these questions are not meant to do that. They're not meant to bring condemnation. They're meant to actually stir us in faith. They're not meant to be a, a rod for our backs or a weight for our shoulders. They're meant to actually give us an opportunity to engage with this whole idea of growth. Dane Ortland, uh, who wrote this book called Deeper, but he also wrote a book called Gentle and Lowly that we gave you guys as a Christmas gift last year. I don't know if you remember, but we handed out bags with this uh, Christmas gift. And actually, if you read no other book this year, if you have not read it, read that book. It is incredible. Actually, if you read three chapters of that book, it will do you so much good. So if it's sitting there in that bag still, tucked away in your trunk, pull it out and read it. But he wrote another book called, somebody laughed because they're like, how did you know that's where it was? <laughs> he wrote another book called Deeper, and I actually just want to quote that. When it comes to this thing of growth, Paul, you can go to the next one. Um, he says this, he says, none of us questions the need to grow. We see it in the Bible, 2 Peter, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we see the need for growth not only in the Bible, but in our own hearts. The question then isn't whether we need to grow, but how? And for everyone who has been born again, there will always be a seed of a sincere desire for growth. I just love, and not surprisingly, the first little scripture I read there, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Francis brought this morning to us and said, I've just been stirring on this verse, this one verse, and I just said, that's not surprising. But it says there will always be a, a seed of a sincere desire for growth. I think that's true, right? I feel that. But in all the questions around this, the good news is that, as 1 Corinthians says, it is God who gives the growth. Because we can often start to think, okay, what am I doing wrong? What do I need to do? And this can be difficult to grasp. And we play a role, right? But a key reason that we're so thankful for our life in Christ is that we can trust that growth ultimately does not rely on us. It doesn't. We participate, along with others who help, that, that God gives the growth. Actually, it comes just after Paul says, one plants the other waters. So it's not just us, it's not just others that are involved, but it's God who gives the growth. 
The question is like, how do we lean into that? How do we engage with that? Because the reason we're preaching about this now at the beginning of the year is that we believe that, that what God is doing is, is bringing growth. We really trust that this is happening. Do you believe that this is happening? Maybe you're not quite convinced yet, and that's okay. But I hope this series increases our level of faith that actually he is bringing growth. I, I actually made this little video uh, over the week, and I mentioned this, and, and I, just, I just feel like the church, and we as a leadership team, feel like the church has been in a bit of, of a winter. Yeah. And, and not just the church at large and COVID. And I, all I do all week is talk to pastors, both because of my job with the Advanced Network, but also just in my daily life. Many of my friends are pastors. And there is a winter. There has been a winter. Monument has been in a bit of a winter. But actually, we're trusting that we are entering springtime. Don't you love that idea? But it's not just an idea. God actually brings the growth where there's a, a little bit of a thaw out of this winter and life is going to start springing up among us because, well, because God is doing it. He's the one who does it. I, I, look, I'm not saying COVID is going away or everything is going back to, I have no idea about any of those things. But growth, in, in, it's really, it's in the spirit of not, not, because of the circumstances or, or, or because the circumstances are changing. It's actually how we thrive and grow despite the circumstances. I'm not going to try to predict anything that's happening in the world or will happen. Who wants to try to do that? But actually, we are growing and going to grow not only despite the circumstances, but because of the circumstances. I preached about that last week. It's actually trials that help us to grow. I think we all feel that the stagnance, the, the suspended animation, the listness, the listlessness, just kind of this sense that like as a church or individually as our, or as our families, it's just, there's just like a little bit of stagnance going on. And the idea of fresh life springing up all around us is appealing, isn't it? We can just imagine, see it with me, see this vision of God bringing growth. And I think the, the idea of that is, is good because we, we kind of feel a little bit of the death, the decay, right? We, we feel the struggle, we feel the pain. How about feeling life, rejuvenation, freedom, healing? That's what I am really trusting God for during this time. That's what God brings, and his design is that those things would come in and through the church. God wants to bring growth in the whole world, and it actually comes through the church. That's what we're going to find a little bit more as we look at this, because that's what we believe. There's a whole plan and a way this works that he calls us to align with for the sake of growth. And I want to share that plan with you a bit now. But it's actually the plan we're going to be talking about over the course of these next two months in the Grow series. I'm going to read a short passage out of Ephesians, but we'll keep returning to it because it says just some amazing things about this thing of growth. So let's go to it right now. It says in Ephesians 4, verse 7, 
It says, grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And that word actually means men and women. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, mature manhood, growing to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. What a, what a platform for this series. What a, what a picture, what a plan. And please, understand, I'm not talking about this church needs to get bigger. It may. I trust God will do whatever he wills. He's in control of that. The, the elephant in the room is that we've gotten smaller. I don't know a church in COVID that hasn't, quite frankly. I get that. But, but actually, the, the, the answer is not just to try to get more people. I hope we grow in numbers, specifically people coming to faith in Jesus Christ and the lost and broken finding refuge here. I'm hoping for that, but growth is first, as we see in this passage, about love. It's about love. How are we at loving people? If, we're grow if there's a, an umbrella that hangs over all of this, it's how are we growing in love? Because that is the last word of that passage that I just read. Michael Eaton, who's a commentator, he had a, an Ephesians commentary that he wrote, and he says this, he says, so the church grows for the purpose of building itself up in love. The kind of growth he has in mind, Paul that is, is, is partly numerical, but it is also a growth in holiness, the greatest part of which is love. Do you associate love and holiness? So if we're going to grow in love, we've got to grow in holiness. Oh, this is so exciting. There's so many areas to grow into, aren't there? And these are the things that we want to give ourselves to. I want to focus on three things that we find in this passage. And the first of them is that it says, grace was given. Grace was given. It says grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Well, that's good news because the measure of Christ's gift is extraordinary. And so out of that, he gave each one of us gifts. So the whole vision for the church, the way it works, the gifts he gave us and those who are to equip us is all because of his love. He started it, he'll finish it, and he'll be there every step of the way. And, and that's the thing. Grace isn't just our Savior Jesus and eternal life. Grace is here now 
with the things that he has given us. This grace was expressed in the way that he set up the church. That's what his grace provided us. This grace formed a vision, a plan, and a way that a group of people, us, would bring his will to pass on earth. So it will happen regardless because he is loving and powerful to make it happen. But we get to play a part. Thank you, Lord, that we don't just coast in this plan of yours. We aren't just passive observers. We take part. And what is our primary contribution? I mean, you have to ask that question. Okay, yeah, how do I engage with this? How do I get involved? Is it, is it hard work and sacrifice? Not really. How could we possibly work hard enough to make a significant contribution to what the creator of the universe is doing? Like, I mean, how could, how could we outdo the sacrifice he made in his only son? Like, hard work and sacrifice, they just, they're just a bit of a drop in the bucket. We will work and we will sacrifice, but actually those are not our, our primary contributions in this whole thing that he's doing. Do you know that? Like, what is it? What is our primary kind? If it's not the things I know to do, hard work and sacrifice, is it our clever planning and strategy? Is that what it is? No, I mean, the plan is right here. The vision for the church is clear. I just read it in Ephesians. And there's more in the whole Bible. That's just a fraction of it. I think when pursuing vision as a church, we glance at that and go, great, that's cool, but what's our plan? No, 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 that is our plan. That's what we're growing up into. That's what we're gonna look like. That's what we're supposed to look like. The vision is there. So we'll have our plans as to what that will look like for us, but no, our part is not clever planning and strategy. So it's not hard work and sacrifice, and it's not clever planning and strategy. All that stuff will be in play. That's not our primary contribution to this plan. Do I have you, like, is the suspense just killing you? What is it? What is our part? It's here in verse 13. It says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Our part is faith. It's for those who believe. That's what we have to do. You're like, oh, that's easy. I, I, can, I can believe. Can you? Do you? Because actually, if that's our primary part, we got to give all of ourselves to it. You see, we can read this plan, we can think it's good, but if we don't believe it, we won't give our lives to it. We'll kind of just go, well, let me sit back and see if that happens. Maybe. I'm not sure. Do you believe in the church? Do you believe in the church? You may say, well, I believe in Jesus, but actually that's good because the church is Jesus, the body of Christ. So if you don't fundamentally believe in the church, your, your, believe in, your belief in, in Jesus is compromised. Does that, does that make sense? I mean, that, that's, a, that's kind of a tough one to swallow because sometimes we're not so sure about the church. <laughs> the church can be difficult. The church can be thorny. The church can let us down. And yet, actually, God calls us to believe in Jesus who is the church. I said last week, we don't need vision as much as we need faith. 
The Israelites had great vision of the promised land, crystal clear, exciting, but the older generation never saw the promised land because they didn't believe. Hebrews 3.19, it says, so we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. This is one of the things that's been stirring in Sue Rob's heart. She called me with this yesterday, or, uh, last Sunday. They didn't enter because they, don't, they didn't believe. Look, I get it. The, the, the church has taken a reputational hit these days, hasn't it? I mean, many people are wondering if we really need it. But actually, the church is God's plan A. So even if we've screwed it up, gotten it wrong, even if we're still trying to work it out, there is no plan B. A lot of people are deconstructing the church. I get that. I agree. It may need what I would call some reconstruction, right? We need a little renovation in the church. I, I get it. But you have to believe in it. Otherwise, you'll just kind of pull it apart and leave it laying on the table, never to pick it back up again. So, so God calls us to believe in this picture that he's given us in Ephesians. We must believe in it. We must stir faith in one another for the church. We have to invest our everything, not just in our, our meetings or our programs or activities. I'm not even talking about that stuff. Yeah, show up. Absolutely. But let's continue to, to see God for what that looks like at Monument. We, we've got some thoughts, but we're, we're never going to get there unless we believe. You may say, I'm struggling to believe. I've had some experiences. I get that. You know, one of my favorite verses is a help to us all. It's in Mark 9. And it's actually a man who goes, Paul, if you can put that slide up. It's a man who goes to uh, Jesus about his son, and, and he says, can you heal him? And he says, can I heal him? All things are possible for one who believes. And then immediately the father and child cried out, and he said, I believe, but help my unbelief. Like, we can go to him and we can ask him. Eric asked that question, and I think I believe, but I'm not sure, or I'm struggling in my belief. We can go to him and we can ask him for his help to believe. Even that he's willing to do because of his grace. The part we play, we still need help with. The little bit we have, we still need to look to him and get help. He's so good in that way. We can ask for help to believe. So I want to revise that first bullet. It's, it's actually grace was given, but we need to believe. We need to lean in to what he is doing. If we're really going to connect to God's plan for our growth, we have to believe. Well, in some ways, I'm preaching to the choir, because if you're here today, uh, I believe you believe. <laughs> but we are all growing in faith, aren't we? Once again, just another thing that God is calling us to grow in, which is faith. Number two, and this comes through in verse 12, but it's that growth is for service. Growth is for service. Our growth is actually for service. What does it say here? It says in verse 12, to train Christ's followers in skilled servant work. This is actually the message translation. I just like the way it put it. Working within Christ's body of the church until we're all moving rhythmically and easily with each other, efficient and graceful in response to God's Son. Don't you love the way that's put? See, growth, our growth is not for us primarily. It's for 
service. The, the, the goal is skilled servant work, as it said. In order to most effectively avail ourselves to God's growth, the growth that he gives, we must aim it at the body of Christ. That's what he's calling us to in this few verses. I believe part of why we struggle to grow is that we don't have the right motivation. And you, you know as well as I do, we can grow in stuff. You can grow as a chess player. You can grow in your cooking skills. You don't have to serve to grow in that way. I mean, you can grow even in your marriage and parenting, your job skills, whatever it is. But if you want to align with God's plan, then our growth can't be separated from the body of Christ. That's why we love that we can come together and we can spur one another to growth. All of these things coalesce for his ultimate vision for us as individuals and us for the church. So I just want to encourage you because God is creative. I'm going to get to that in the third point, but, but he's creative. Service can take on a lot of forms. Don't just think one thing or another. Think about the thing you're passionate about because it's likely he's put something on the inside of you that we need to draw out. We need to grow in that for the sake of the body. But if you're not substantially engaged in serving, in servant work and building up the body of Christ, you're, you're missing it, actually. That's, that's what this is saying. In many ways, the opportunity to do that has been limited in COVID, right? I mean, figuring out how to do and serve in that way has been, has been difficult these days. But let it go. Forget what's been. Let's turn the page and grow into this next season. Everybody gets a clean slate. Now let's lay hold of this vision. Forget what's behind you. Learn from it. But let's go into this next season with fresh eyes, fresh vigor, fresh wind, fresh motivation to just respond to this call. Again, 2 Peter 3.18, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I think, yes, that, I want to grow in that, grace and knowledge, but, but actually servant work was Jesus' whole deal. Like, if you want to grow in who the person of Jesus is, that's pretty much the sole focus of who he was, was a servant, right? He came here to serve us in our relationship with God. He was a servant. It, 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 he said, the, came, the, man, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. We may find ourselves very disappointed if we give ourselves to growth and we find out it's really all just about serving people. <laughs> oh no, I was looking for something else. We may find ourselves growing in extraordinary ways because when we actually place a demand on ourselves by serving, God will bring to bear the person of Christ in us more and more. I love this other quote from Dane Ortland, the gentle and lowly guy. In Deeper, he says this, growing in Christ is not centrally improving or adding or experiencing, but deepening. Implicit in the notion of deepening is that you already have what you need. Christ growth is bringing what you do and say and even feel into line with that. In fact, you already are. In, in, into line with what, in fact, you already are. What a beautiful thing. Like it's sitting in us as this raw potential right now. Each and every one of us who believes in Jesus and the Holy Spirit indwells you. If you are in Christ and he is in you, 
then what you already are is a servant. <laughs> You're a servant. That's a newsflash for some. But I think we all feel that. We exist for the sake of other people. But in a culture and society where we think other people exist for us, we have to fight to hold this truth in this position. Because that is the catalyst for our growth. Imagine a group of people who are of one mind, intent on serving the world around us in love. That's what we're growing into. That's what God is calling us to. That's what the call to growth is. How does that happen? Well, there's one little clue here, and that's what we're going to unpack over the next couple of months. But there's one little clue here. And in Ephesians chapter 4, which I read from earlier, the last two verses say this. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow. Speaking the truth in love. I mean, you've heard that phrase before, right? What does it mean to speak the truth in love? I actually want to keep unpacking that because that's how we can serve one another. Because i got to be honest with you, it's easy to speak the truth, right? Your hair looks terrible today. I never get that. Every day is just the same hair day for me. I appreciate that you can laugh with me at that. But, but, it's, but it's, and it's easy just to be loving. You know, I don't want to tell them what their hair looks like. I just, you know, I just want to be considerate of them. But actually, if you're having a bad hair day, you need a friend to tell you, right? Speaking the truth in love, that's a bit of a silly example. I have another silly example, but hopefully you can go with me. Some of you have remarked on my J's, as Josh would call them, my Jordans. Now, I didn't wear these so that I could be on the preachers with sneakers, whatever that is, Instagram. I actually, I have no business wearing these shoes. I am not nearly cool enough to wear these shoes. I got these as a gift from Corey Sanders, who's been here. He leads the movement down in Florida. Corey is way cooler. He's a basketball player. He played D1 NCAA. Like, he is cool. And, and the, the, the funny thing is, Corey actually spoke the truth in love. So when he was here last time, we went up to Frederick and he preached. And on our way back, he saw the Nike store at the Clark, Clarksburg outlets. And he was like, we got to go there. And I was like, all right, let's go. So we go, and he's looking at these, like, super cool shoes. Like, if I bought those, I would look like a fool, right? But, like, Corey just totally pulls them off. So I go, and I pull some shoes off the shelf, and I now know that they're dad shoes, okay? That's what I learned. And you know, like, dad is a great sort of nice way, this is speaking the truth in love, of saying lame or not cool. Dads, do you know this? This is code for lame or not cool. It's like dad shoes, dad joke, right? Dad shirt. When my kids go, that's a dad shirt. I go, oh, crud. And I go and change. <laughs> They're trying to be nice, but they're speaking the truth. So Corey, I pull out these shoes, and I was like, I'm thinking about these. You know, they're simple. And they were just like gray jogging shoes. And, and Corey just goes, those are simple. <laughs> and I was like, OK, well, I like them, whatever. I'm going to buy them. So I get them home, and my kids are like, why did you buy those dad shoes? So Corey, who owns, I think he told me, 42 pairs of shoes. He's pretty into shoes, and again, he wears cooler shoes than I do. So he just kind of, you know, he was kind. Now, when we notice something in somebody else's life, it's very easy to just call it out, right, without any compassion or gentleness. It's easy to call it, to say the truth, 
but, but do we do it in love? And I know this is a silly example, but, but here's where all of this kind of comes to roost. He just sort of logged this situation, right, Corey? And then a few months later, he gave me like a hard time on the stage at the Eastern Hub Conference, and I was like, okay, easy on my shoes, man. Three days later, these show up in the mail. And I was like actually blown away. I would never buy myself these shoes. I'm like, can I even wear those shoes? At the end of the day, I don't need them. And it wasn't something that was a problem with my character. But it was just a fun example of how he just kind of kept quiet. He noticed. <laughs> he knew I needed help. <laughs> and then he of himself sacrificed. I don't even know how much they cost, but I understand they're kind of expensive. What an incredible gift. So he took it upon himself to sacrifice to serve me in that way. I know it's a bit of a silly example, but if when we recognize something in somebody's life, we can either just be like, that's a problem, or we can walk away and do nothing. But speaking the truth in love is actually this dynamic tension of walking with people and sacrificing in order to serve them. I mean, isn't that just a beautiful thing? If we are all doing that well, we are growing up. It's speaking the truth in love that he says is a key catalyst for that. But in this day and age, it's kind of like, look, you do you and I'm going to do me and we're just not. But that's not the church. That's never okay in the church. We can't go poking people in the eye, but we can't just walk away either. We got to work to understand what it looks like to do this the way that, that Paul describes. Let's give ourselves to that. Can we give ourselves to that? because then we can actually help one another, speaking the truth in love, to grow up in every way. We need that, let's engage with one another, let's be kind and loving, but let's let the truth come through in our relationships so that we can serve one another. The last point that I have is, we grow into each, who, e who he made each of us. We grow into who he made each of us. That's so exciting. It says, to each one of us, according to the measure of Christ's gift, therefore it says, when he ascended on high and he led a host of captives, he gave gifts to men and women. And I just love that each one of us is distinct. And this, this may seem obvious, but one of the most glorious things about this passage and about growth in the Christian life is that none of us is the same. And we need every single one of us. Michael Eaton says this, no two Christians are alike. No Christian has all spiritual gifts. No one spiritual gift is given to all Christians. We find our place in God's church by being ourselves under God, not by fitting any special mold or copying any spiritual mentor too closely. We keep the unity of the spirit, but we also keep the variety of the spirit. Isn't that beautiful? The unity and the variety. So thank you for, for, for bearing with me as I talk about how important it is the church. And more often we're saying like, yeah, but what's in it for me? <laughs> I get that. I don't think God actually has an issue with that as long as we are not thinking of it selfishly, as long as we see it against the backdrop of the whole. What part do I play? Because you see, growth is not, it's always in the context of God's plan. Jesus and his body is not a form of, of self-actualization. That's not what growth is all about. Our gifts and growth are given by his grace for servant work with each of us playing a part for Jesus' actualization. Yeah. 
There is this emphasis on self-actualization. There is this term, my truth. There is one truth, it's the truth. We don't get to own a version of the truth. There is either truth or not. And part of that is wrapped up in this self-actualization. Well, this is me, this is who it is to me, this is what it means to me. Actually, our aim is not to actualize ourselves and to proclaim the truth of us. It's to proclaim the, tr the truth of Jesus. And so we're liberated from proclaiming the truth of us. And, and this is just where if we get this right, we'll get it all. But if we don't get this right, we won't get any of it. I want to end with this story, especially because it just concerns the body of the Christ and uh, the body of Christ and how it works. Some of you remember, may remember that I, I broke my arm this last summer. I spoke about it during a sermon back in like June. And I actually fell and I landed on my hands, but I landed so hard that I fractured one of my arm bones, the end of it. Um, I actually split the end of my bone right in half. I actually have a picture. So here's the original x-ray. You probably can't see that. So we're gonna zoom in just a little bit closer. And like, you can't even really see it. It's right there. It's just a little fracture at the end of the bone and it hurts so bad. It was so excruciating, I actually passed out. That's how bad it hurt. And what's interesting is that that was almost eight months ago and it still isn't quite the same. Like it's not bad, but you know what's interesting is I, sometimes I can't twist my arm very easily. And it's like, they say it doesn't pronate, okay? Like, who thought that was important? Well, it really is important, I found out. If you can't twist your arm, that's really important. And my orthopedic surgeon friend, he tells me that there's probably a little buildup from the healing. And it's getting in the way of smooth function. So I was like, do I need surgery? And he goes, no, eventually it'll just wear down. I'm like, oh, that sounds painful. He said, no, it'll be a little uncomfortable at times but it's kind of like a pebble in the ocean. Eventually it'll just smooth over and work perfectly. And actually, if, the, if a part of the body needs healing, it won't work until it gets healed. That is so key to growth. So I'm actually trusting that those of us here who have a few little pieces that need healing, God's gonna bring that for the sake of growth. People who walk in to our gathering, who come into our homes or into our world, who are broken and in need of healing, actually will get that and be integrated into the body so that we are working perfectly. We need each other to come to health and to, to grow. If we're committed to glorifying God in our growth, aiming all that we are at becoming servants in the body of Christ, and each playing our part, Actually, th this passage will be manifest among us. One last quote from Dane Ortland. He says, some Christians think we grow through purer behavior, others through sharper doctrine, and others through richer emotions, but real change occurs through this reality, the life of God in the soul of a man. In this series, we're gonna talk about the process of growth, what the signs of growth are, how our individual maturity matters in light of the gifts that he's given us, and how growth happens in the body of Christ for the body of Christ. 
So I want to end today the way I began by just asking some questions. Jot these down, either the questions or the answers, because we'll meditate on these things as we go. How do you want to grow in this next chapter of your spiritual life? Maybe God's been just nudging you on a couple things, even as I've been talking and reading some of these verses. How do you see that growth being through the body of Christ and for the body of Christ? So how do you want to grow, and how is that growth going to come through the body and be for the body? If you could choose one area to see considerable growth in this year, what would it be? Is it growing in Christ's authority? Is it growing in Christ's compassion? His forgiveness? There's so many different aspects of who he is that we can grow into. What does the life of God in your soul look like? When Jesus ascended, he gave gifts, but he also promised his spirit. He gave these gifts and then he said, wait, I will send the helper. And so he wants to interact with you. And actually, can I just ask us to stand as we ponder these questions and we look into the future of where God's calling us to grow. And let's just let the Holy Spirit do his work. Let's just ask him, come Holy Spirit. He didn't just give us these gifts, he gave us the counselor, the helper, to guide us, to unpack these things. Just close our eyes for a moment. Lord, I pray that you would highlight for each one of us the area of growth that you're drawing us into in this next season. Lord, we believe, but help our unbelief. Help us where it's a matter of a lack of faith, and we just need to rise into this area for the sake of your growth in our lives. I pray you give us the right questions, Lord, and you answer those questions. I thank you that you gave us gifts, but then you also sent your helper. Just spend 15 seconds right now just letting the Spirit of God speak. Come, Holy Spirit. actually have this image that some people in this room, um, actually there is a ton of growth that's just sitting there kind of waiting to be picked in a sense, that you have fruit that you need to allow others to access. And so you don't even have it. Well, no, I don't, I don't know what area I have to grow. It's because he's grown you and now what you need to do is share that with others. You need to engage in the body of Christ and, and and I don't know who that is, but you do. Lord, you give the growth. We believe. Let this picture of Ephesians 4 be manifest among us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
Well, God bless you, love you guys, and I'm so looking forward to all of what God has in these coming weeks and months, and uh, just have an incredible day, and we'll see you again next Sunday.